Hello and welcome to Cage Fighting. It's your main man, Andy Gillard, back leading the podcast after what feels like, I think, three weeks in a row where I haven't had to do it, so I've actually had to prepare this time. So I'm feeling a little bit nervous and apprehensive, like it's my first time again. Hello, everybody. Matt Guy here. Always the bridesmaid, never the bride. I only record it. <laughs> no, it was very nice, actually, to do a uh, music cast episode and uh, enjoyed it greatly, to be fair. Yeah, but back being third is nice, though. Uh, <laughs> stay here for for the time being, at least. <laughs> uh, just to change it up, because we've done a, a few different types of episodes over the last uh, few weeks on the old question cast side. I thought we'd just do one about TV, because we're now in the fall season, like America's fall season, obviously, when it comes to TV. So all of the shows are now starting to ramp back up. So I thought it might be an idea just to have a look at that specific medium of uh, art. Um, we'll start with the news, though, as we always do. First up, the new Lord of the Rings series has hit the small screens. Amazon reportedly spending $1 billion on the first season alone. Unsurprisingly, because it's got black people and a female lead, it has led to just a carpet bombing of the reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. It's currently sat with a 35% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. Between this, She-Hulk, Obi-Wan, it feels like this tactic of review bombing has become quite commonplace for anything that doesn't have a straight white male lead. Um, Amazon have taken steps to try and stop this review bombing. They're putting in a three-day waiting period before people can leave reviews, so it's to try and discourage trolls. Stu, is review bombing something that studios should even really care about? At the, at this point, no, because you never you're not going to stop it, are you? And the only way you you are going to stop it is if you get everyone verified somehow. Um, it's always said about Twitter for years, there we that if you have to put your passport details in to say you are who you are, mm. that stops ninety nine percent of the nonsense on there. It'd have to be the same with things like that. But do you really want to go that far? Just for a, for a review, probably not. Um, like when when this first came out, and I, I I looked at it just out of curiosity what it what it was saying, and you just it was so ludicrously bad that you knew that it had been review bombed. So why even bother looking? And I looked on the on the critical at the time was about eighty six, I think, which is fair. Um, but yeah, it's it's just nonsense and. They've got nothing better to do, have they? So I don't, think, I, I don't see why anyone would take the time out of their to go out of the way to try and stop it because you're not going to because it's it's mm. the way of the world at the minute. Yeah, Matt, is it a is it a tactic that's even good? Like, I mean, if you go to see a film and you check the reviews and see that it's got twenty percent on the audience score, is that going to even put you off, or are you going to look at it and think, well? These are clearly dickheads when you read the reviews. I think it matters massively more for an indie film than it would a blockbuster because people will watch, if you're a fan of Lord of the Rings, you'll watch it anyway regardless of the review. So I don't, I don't think it makes a blind bit of difference. But for an indie film and how like busy you know we all are, a review for something like that that you've especially got no prior knowledge to, that could be quite damning because... You know what I mean? You're not emotionally invested with any kind of um, 
pre-exposition or anything like that. You don't know anything about this world. So that can be quite disruptive, really, for the success. But hopefully, because they're indie films and because they're not as well known, trolls will leave them high and, you know, leave them alone anyway. So mm. it's a difficult one. Yeah, yeah. It does seem to very much be... I mean, it does seem to mostly be the fantasy genre. Like, we've seen it a lot in Star Wars over the years where they've these trolls have just been abhorrent to people. Um, like you say, the, the sort of indie films t- kind of get left behind because they're not mainstream enough to really raise their, their head above the parapet, I don't think. What I will say, though, is I think there is an element here of things that were considered generally uncool before mm. and nerdy or so, mm. and you'll get this... You'll get this with Stranger Things in the next series. I can guarantee you this. When things become popular out of the comfort zone of these core fan bases, they just turn on the thing that they loved. And yeah. I think this is what's happening with a lot of these, um, a lot of these uh, franchises. Is that okay? Now everybody's enjoying it. It's now not the cool niche thing to have anymore. Let's let's shit all over it. And that will be Stranger Things in the next series because it, this series has took the world by storm. It's no longer, you know, the whole D&D thing is now sexy. Not sexy, but, you know, thanks mm. to like thanks to Eddie, it's cool to be uncool. And they'll shit all over it again. I can guarantee it. I'll say this yeah. now on, on you know, on, on today's recording. We'll come back to this in a year, two years' time. And they'll shit all over it. Yeah. yeah. It's a very astute observation. I mean... If you look at the comic book world, a lot of comic book readers and writers over the years have always been very left-leaning. But if you look at people who talk about specifically MCU fans, they tend to be more anti-woke, even though they don't even know what woke means. (laughs) They will then review something like She-Hulk quite negatively. Whereas if you've read She-Hulk books, you know she's a fucking idiot, like she's a silly character. Um, But she doesn't get the time of day with people who don't know the characters i think Mm -hmm. so i I do think it's this that it's become bigger than what it was and it's no longer the meek shall inherit like it's become all and sundry almost it's almost like that their their special club has been taken away from them so they have to lash out yeah Mm -hmm. they they Mm -hmm. want it to be just for them don't they again yeah Mm. um matt i know you haven't seen lord of the rings so Stu, thoughts on the first couple of episodes better than I expected. Um, I've, I've said many times how much I love that tri- the, the trilogy and I don't, I enjoy The Hobbit as well. Obviously not as much. And I went into this not really knowing anything other than it was years and thousand years before or whatever and kind of going in with an open mind and didn't watch any of the trailers, obviously. And I've enjoyed it. I thought it was all right. It's got... The essence of Lord of the Rings in there, and it looks brilliant. Mm. Unless you're a moron and you've got it on motion mode, <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> like there's examples over all over Twitter of. Um, you can clearly see where the money's gone. No one else could have spent that that amount on on a show like this, but because they did do that, it doesn't feel like a TV adaptation. It just feels like more of Lord of the Rings. Which, if you like that stuff, great. If you if you don't, it's not going to change your mind, is it? So, for me, I've enjoyed it so far. Let's bring it on. I mean, it's one of them where 
that I haven't had for a while where you count down the days to next week to watch the next one. Yeah. It's been a long time since I've had something like that, really. Yeah, I mean, I, I gave it a go. Um, you know I'm not really a Lord of the Rings fan. I, I think if you are a Lord of the Rings fan, you will really enjoy it. It just wasn't for me, but it does look fantastic. I will give it that without a shadow of a doubt. It's mm. absolutely gorgeous. You can see where the money's been spent. Uh, moving on to Lord of the Rings for grown-ups. Game of Thrones <laughs> is also back this fall with its own prequel series. House of the Dragon. Uh, the sewer dwellers have also been criticising this one for daring to depict a strong black people and also a female lead in the fantasy world. Uh, Matt, you haven't seen this one yet. Is it? Are you not overly interested or is this a case of just finding time to fit it in at the moment? Um, okay, I'm going to tell you a story here. We used to watch Game of Thrones um, with my mother-in-law. She's not dead. Um, <laughs> and what we'd normally do is it, we'd download it on a Monday. She'd come around on a Tuesday. I'd have to watch it and pretend that I hadn't already watched it on the Monday night, and like, <laughs> um, which was absolutely fine. And and that was that. And I we were at a wedding the other day, and was like, oh, hey, Game of Thrones is coming back on. You should come around and watch it as. That never happened. Reasons. So then I was meant to start it on Sunday and go round and take the fire stick with me. And we watched like the two episodes that I think had been released by this point. However, I was watching the United game and I literally <laughs> ran out of the house and left the fire stick plugged into the telly. Lest. <laughs> so I won't watch it because I promised the mother-in-law I'd watch it with her. That's fair. Stu, what are your thoughts on the first three episodes? I, mean, I, I thought that was going to go very seven days Craig David for a minute then. But... <laughs> <laughs> It's um, it's took its time getting going. Eh? Yeah, it really has <laughs> a lot of exposition, a lot of talking, which is not when you watch the first one at like ten o'clock at night, expecting a lot of fire. Um, mm. and yeah, you you do get that obviously, but it's it it was a lot more grown up than I thought it would be, <laughs> and it kind of resets everything from the last season of Game of Thrones and rightly so that that tastes out the mouth now um yeah I, I'm enjoying it um n- not looking forward to it anywhere near as much as Ring of Power but I've, I've liked what I've seen so far and again the H- HBO money has been spent well yeah, no no do- no dodginess anywhere so far um well, apart from Viserys's like the it's not a spoiler or anything, Matt, but Viserys has only got two or three fingers. And in one scene, they hadn't edited out so you could see the glove that he was wearing across his <laughs> fingers. So he was wearing a green glove on fingers that shouldn't be there. So oh, they did fuck up a little bit on that one. That's gone though now. I bet if he watches it now, he won't be there. Probably, that's probably true, yeah. <laughs> it's like when they did it with the... Um, was it Game of Thrones where they did it with a car in the background as well? Oh no! It was a that cost- was Lord of the Rings, and it was a, a Costa or Starbucks, Starbucks cup, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, in, uh, yeah, in the uh, Game of Thrones. Yeah, it, it's been fine. The first two episodes, I felt like they were a little bit mid-season Game of Thrones. You know, when not a lot is happening, but there's a lot of talking. Mm. The first two episodes felt like that, and I think if you were new to this series, if you just came in with no Game of Thrones experience, you might not be overly keen on it. But the third episode was excellent, and Matt Smith walking around, swinging his dick around like he's dirty <laughs> big bollocks. He's been fantastic in it. So I'm intrigued to see where it's going now 
the third episode has sort of kicked things up a notch. Speaking of toxic fan bases, the boys' season three finale only finished in July, but the team's already back and filming season four. Uh, for next season, Homelander's kid has been upgraded to a series regular, so we're going to get to see that little shit a little bit more. And they're also adding Negan himself. Jeffrey Dean Morgan is joining the cast. Um, maybe it's because he was the comedian in The Watchmen, which is very much similar to The, the Boys. He feels like a perfect fit for this world. What, what do you think, Matt? He does. He, you know, he's got that crossover appeal from The Walking Dead for people that, for whatever reason, haven't enjoyed The Boys so far. They might see him and go, oh, I'll watch this because Negan's in it and, and watch it. From a from an actor point of view, he's absolutely chock a block full of charisma, mm. um, and he would just fit that world like a glove. I hope he's some form of villain of some capacity, or some kind of morally ambiguous. As they all are, everyone. There's no heroes and villains in the boys, is there? Really, that's the whole point. Yeah, Every, everyone has the capability of being the villain. Um, I hope he just gets the opportunity to show that side of it, you know, because in The Walking Dead, and I haven't seen the end of it or this, the end of this series or whatever, um, What Negan was one of those where in one minute you love him, one minute you despise him and you love to hate him. So if he can portray anything like that in The Boys, it will be a triumph. Yeah. I can't remember who it was, but someone described him as having as much charisma as two Dwayne Johnsons fucking each other. <laughs> And that is Jeffrey D. Morgan. He's the most charismatic dude alive. Stu, you've got to be impressed with the, the, this this dude joining the cast. Yeah, and he's he's one of them people as well that even on um, Talking Dead, and I, and I used to watch that all the time as well, the um, talk show spin-off. And whenever he was a, gu- a guest on there, you could tell he was one of us. He loves everything about any yeah. kind of nerd, nerd culture kind of thing. It, obviously, it's a reunion with Jensen Ackles as well from Supernatural. Um, so that'll be odd seeing them to, to, on screen again after what? Yeah. 15 years? Something yeah. like that. It, it'll um, be interesting to see if Ackles comes back. I, I hope they do bring him back because he was, he was a great addition to that cast, I thought. Well, he, he was talking like on Twitter like he was. He was coming mm. back. So, um, yeah, bring it on. Uh, he's one of them people who. Like you look at, you just follow him on Twitter and Instagram and stuff, and he, he goes from one extreme to the other. Like he's a like proper sweet family man one one day, and then the next yeah. he's posting crazy shit about different things that don't matter. The next, mm. I mean, he's very much like one of us. So yeah, perfect, yeah. perfect casting for whatever role he gets. Very true, and he's a big Seattle Seahawks fan as well. So he's he's always good in my books. Mm. Moving on to something a little bit less toxic now. The Teletubbies are coming back. Netflix have commissioned a new series, which is due to be released on the 14th of November. This series will be narrated by Titus Burgess from Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, which makes me quite tempted to watch it just for him, to be perfectly honest. Um, I've never seen the Teletubbies, so I don't really know anything about them. I assume they're something like Pokemon. I don't know. <laughs> Is that right, or have I just offended like a lot of people? I don't know who's more offended by that—the the, the, the Tubsters or the Pokemon fans. <laughs> um, no, they're nothing alike. Ones like ones for ones for kids and should remain only liked by kids, and the other ones Teletubbies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, obviously, this was a massive show back in the mid nineties. 
Is this the best preschool show ever made? Is there anything else that would pip it in your eyes? What do you think, Stu? Well, this is what I don't understand because it's still on. It doesn't... Oh, is it really? <laughs> it's literally on CBeebies today. <laughs> so my, my niece was watching it. When I, and that's why when, when, when I said what, bringing it back, it never went away. Like... It went away from the, the, the original set because I think the original Tinky Winky was a bit of a bit of a wrong gun. Um <laughs> and he had issues, and um, then it went away, and then it came back again on the, with a different hill set and everything, and they, they don't do as much, and and the, the the Hoover thing's not exactly the same, so it's already been bought back. But I think now it must be going. I'm guessing it's going to be on every on worldwide Netflix as well. So I don't know how, how far the reach of Teletubbies got other than in this country, because it's very, it's a very English show. <laughs> and I'm trying to right. think, it, like, do you remember Playbird? There was, uh, I remember was play, it, play bus. Yeah, I remember yeah. the bus. Or play it, school. Yeah, yeah, it was play, play bus. And I'm thinking of the Y bird. Y bird. Yeah. 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 It's kind of a mixture of that. So you've got these stupid, like fluffy character things with men in suits in, in these characters arsing about on a hillside. But then it'll cut to the, the tellies in, in their bodies, in their tubbies, telly tubbies. And then it'll go there, and then it'll show some kind of thing about like kids, like preschool kids playing on a playground or learning something. So that bit's quite shit. But <laughs> so that that's the kind of show it is, which makes no sense why it's on Netflix. It sounds insane. And this is for children. It's, yeah, not, it's, it's, it's not as hallucinatory as you think. You compare, watch Teletubbies and then watch the Boo Bars, and then you're in, <laughs> then you're in a completely different ball game. You're talking, you're talking something recreational like marijuana compared to LSD. Right. Okay. I mean, I, I there was a there was a time when it used to be on like when oh, it might have been CBBC or CBBS. One of them used to be on like all night as well for for kids who don't day sleep. And like when we used to get back from the pub and Teletubbies was on, and we were just obviously quite wrecked. And you would stay up and watch it. And you think, what is going on? Like you're 18 years old and you're watching Teletubbies for fun. <laughs> but like, it's definitely still popular because my nephew's got like a dancing, talking Poe. It's not like an old one that's been handed down. This is like a new toy. Yeah. Wow. Obviously, Matt, you're the youngest of the, the group. Was this a thing when you were growing up, or is this yeah, before I, you, after you? I remember it as a child. Like, I remember it as a kid watching it. Okay. Um, And thinking it was fucking brilliant. Teletubbies mm-hmm. were class. It was like, it had the Mr. Bean silliness of them kind of falling around and dicking about, and uh, but it had, like, educational stuff in it as well, and, and it was... It was just great. It was like just just classic British kids TV, and you know, if they hadn't have brought it back, then I'd be clamouring for it to be brought back. I suppose because it okay, it was it was really good. Yeah, it's fair enough. I mean, it, my sister had all the toys, all of them, all four, she had all four of them, all like cuddly little toy things, and she's four years younger than me, and so that you're talking mid night mid nineties, so. 11. Yeah, so she was probably about the, right, about the right age. So in lieu of that, it was on when I was at, I was around. So I was exposed to the Teletubbies at the right at the same at the peak time, um, even though I was a lot older than its target audience. <laughs> 
Uh, finally, in an interview, Al Jean, the showrunner for The Simpsons, was asked what the wildest prediction to come true on the show was. His response was that in the 90s, we did an episode about the World Trade Center. There was a handbook held up that said New York on $9 a day. And next to the $9, it had the Twin Towers. So it looked like 9-11 on the front of this cover. So that was the wildest prediction, which, to be fair, if one Earth could have ever come up with that. Um, obviously, The Simpsons have somehow weirdly managed to predict so many weird and wonderful things. Um, Stu, I know you're not a massive Simpsons fan, but what's the weirdest or wildest prediction that you uh, have heard of from The Simpsons? Well, it would have been that one. <laughs> um, I know that the, the uh, Trump being president was probably probably second. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's very much out there, isn't it? I mean, that, Matt, you're you're much more of a fan. Um, what what would be your biggest prediction? It was Trump. It mm. was Trump. It was exactly that. But like, when you think about it, it's an educational guess. If you're like a the satirical and you're thinking of what's the most like completely American corporate capitalist thing that could absolutely happen and who would be president, it would have yeah. been Trump. So it, it makes sense as a joke. It's just baffling that it came true. Yeah, very true. See, I thought you'd have go, gone for the one which I would have picked, which would be the pandemic being predicted, mm. purely for the fishbulb gag when Bart calls Homer fishbulb with the, the Mr. Sparkle advertisement, which is just... It's up there with um, Mr. Plow, that episode, I think. It's oh, just man. wonderful. The Mr. Mr. God, there's many times I've just walked around the house going, Mr. Sparkler, Mr. Sparkler. <laughs> Means nothing to Stu, but it's fine. I know. Yeah. Like, I genuinely don't know how you've not got into it, Stu. It's, those seasons, they're just magical. Really are. It's, it's going to be time locked, though, now. I'm not going to get any of it. Mm. And then you would. You would. They're still. I mean, even because it's the 90s, so it's not like it's so long ago that you don't remember it. And the jokes aren't like, I don't know, they're not that pop culture <laughs> to be perfectly honest. You didn't rely on cameos and stuff and like having Ricky Gervais in and stuff like that until like series Much 20, later. like yeah. which where you'd know everybody by this point. Yeah, I remember David Duchovny being in there like, at the height of X-Files, so... You'd be fine with it, honestly. I mean, I'm re-watching it now and it, it still holds up, especially that golden period is just fantastic. Maybe. So that's the news done. Matthew, have we had any listener questions in? Why, yes, we have. Um, right, let's go from the bottom. So uh, um, Matt Cunnington wants to know um, two questions, the greedy beggar. Do you prefer to binge or wait weekly for episodes, Andy? Um, I prefer to wait weekly now, to be honest. Okay, Stu. Hmm. I don't think I've ever binged anything, really. Even even in like in the height of when Netflix first started doing it, I never watched more than three at a time because it just all blends into one. And like even like going back and like on the uh, on the Downton Hunt, I've watched like three ep- three episodes and then gone done something else or gone to bed or wherever. I think three's like when. Um, is it, is it the, the boys does it? Don't know where they have three in the first week and then it's weekly. I think yeah. three three seems like the sweet spot. Um, 
So, but now I'd, I'd much rather, let's say weekly. Um, I mean, doing it every, if you, if you got a, a, something like that, I'd watch it in bursts rather than all in one go. So I, I think I'd probably rather have it weekly now as well. Just be, just because you don't take as, you take more in if you get time mm-hmm. to think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so going forward, would you prefer the MCU to stop making movies and concentrate or TV or vice versa, or are both formats okay, Stu? Hmm. I mean, let, no, let me give it, let me give my two penneth on this. <laughs> my issue with um, not Marvel solely or anything like this is I always find that when you've got something that's really big and budget, like a film, and then you translate that to TV without the budget, it just looks hokey as fuck. Mm. Like Agents of Shield looked terrible when you're comparing it to the Avengers because it's the that world, it's that universe, it looks terrible. And that's why, hate me as much as you want, I've always thought Doctor Who looked like shit because it's on a TV budget. And it, oh, I just yeah, thought, it always has. And mm. like, and that's what puts me off watching it. Like, I mean, I'd never start it now because I, there's just too much. There's just too much of it. Um, but that's my that's my thing on it. So can, can they both coexist, Stu, TV and films, or should one make way for the other? They can coexist if they did it properly and didn't just do it for the sake of getting one out every two months. I think I think this year more than any other has shown that they really can't do it, even though the, the money's no real object for them. Um, I think a lot of things have. I mean, there's a scene in She-Hulk last week that was utterly a bit. Well, two weeks ago now, it was utterly abysmal. I mean, it was worse than the cuts, the intro scene of um, the Tomb Raider two game. On PS One, <laughs> it was it was shocking. I mean, how she walks into the office, just looking up office scene, She Hulk, and not the twerking either. <laughs> it's Hawkeye was spot on because Hawkeye had the money, and you could tell that they had the money. Falcon and Winter Soldier, the first episode had the money, and then the rest didn't, and you could tell. So if, unless they're going to do it properly, I'd I'd rather they just co- concentrated on the films exclusively or or have two series a year and do them proper rather than spread it all out. Mm-hmm. Andy? I agree with you. Um, I think the TV shows so far have been bad. At best, they've been very poor. And part, partly down to the fact that it hasn't been funded properly, partly down to the fact that I think they've been spreading themselves too thinly and there's not enough story there to pull through a 10, 12-episode season. It's totally pointless. I haven't seen enough of the TV series that's made me think that it was a worthwhile venture. As good as Hawkeye was, the world would have carried on without it, to be perfectly honest. Um, And it's also affected the fact that most of the films have been dog shit for the last 12 months. So really, what's the point in spreading yourself that thin? Like, rather than trying to be a a jack-of-all-trades and a master of none, why not just perfect one one, um, medium rather than going to try and do everything yeah okay gonna um ask you individually a few of these because we've got a couple double questioners so um well we'll start with ash dolan who is um what is your perfect length of show be it episode duration series length amount of series feels like it's gone in the days of 24 episode seasons of 30 minute sitcoms personally blackadder six 30 minute episodes with just the four seasons is perfect so andy through a series what's your ideal Length of time for an episode, length of episodes in a series. 
Right. So if it's a comedy, I want 12 episodes for like a 22-minute comedy. If it's a 45, 50-minute drama, eight episodes, I think, is about right. Any more than that, I start to get a little bit bored and don't want to see it. Like you said, I'm, I'm glad we're moving away from the 24 episodes that we used to get. They're a bit pointless going that long. And you could always tell the episodes where they were phoning it in or where the money wasn't there for that, the budget wasn't there for that one episode. So there's just no point in having it just for the sake of filling up a, a time slot. So for me, that, that's what I would go with. Agreed. Um, Stu, uh, Tom Keely wants to know, are you and each episode is a chapter of a book or do you prefer more standalone episodic adventures? Oh, this... <laughs> I This this might come to something later as well. But certain certain series go with different things, don't they? I mean, the, I preferred the alien stuff in X-Files than the weird ones. But I know a lot of people who like the one-offs better than the alien stuff. Um, I think if you have a nice mix of both, it's not a copy, but if you have a nice mix of both and not just one or the other, because then you're surely going to run out. If you have an overarching storyline, you're going to run out of story eventually. And then what, what are you left with? Mm. You're left with True Detective Season, season 2. So... <laughs> Yeah. Well, the new um, sorry, I was just going to say the new season of CSI Vegas that managed to sort of bridge the gap. So you'd have your freak of the week type serial killer, but there was also an overarching storyline behind it as well. And yeah, I think that's the better way to do it. So you you're pleasing everyone with that. Yeah, they, yeah. they did that with the um, the later series of um, Hawaii Five O as well. They had like a, an, a kind of overarching narrative in the background, but then you had the individual cases per week and it worked a lot better because I mean, out of what, and I know that was a, a long, the old long series way, probably about a third of them had like the proper, like the law of the sea, law of the show. And then the rest were individual cases. So, and it, it worked really well for that. So I think, yeah, that, that that's probably the best way to go. Just bit of blend it properly. Okie doke. And I, we might have covered this in a previous um, question cast, to be fair. But Tara wants to know, what's your favourite TV theme? Um, well, I mean, the answer is um, keeping up appearances, but um, hers is Groovy Ghoulies, of course which I'm not particularly familiar with, if I'm perfectly honest. It sounds like um, some kind of Woodstock nonsense. Oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. Mm. I-, I listened um, to it earlier. <laughs> but she also asked, do you, do you, like me, think there is too much telly? There's so much stuff to watch nowadays that uh, that I or she misses things, which I too also miss. Uh, I absolutely think there is. I think it's far too much on the telly at the minute. It's far too much to try and process and enjoy. Um, too much FOMO for missing out on. You know, like I've not I've not watched any of the ones that we talked about already. I haven't watched any of um, the uh, All or Nothing Arsenal, which I really want to watch. Um, and I just don't like find the time, but then you feel like you're falling behind the times, which. Uh, He's a bit of a shitter. Yeah. Uh, the best theme tune is DuckTales. And I completely agree. There's just too much on the go at the moment. I was just looking at my schedule planner for like the TV shows that are coming out over the next month. And there's like 20 different series that I'm trying to watch at the same time. It's just too much to keep on top of. It's ridiculous. Mm. Yeah. The um, I think this is what one of the reasons... You have to be ruthless with it. And just, 
it's with the, it's with everything though. It's with games as well. I mean, there's too many games to play. I mean, I've got. I think last time I counted, games I actually own and could play through Plus and different services, let alone Game Pass. I think there's about fifty, fifty odd games. I mean, the, the probably average about ten hours each, and. <laughs> You just got to accept that you can't. You can't have everything. You just got to pick and choose what you what you actually like, and not force yourself to watch nonsense. And at this point, I think with all the streaming stuff, like we talked about a few weeks ago, you just look at it and you think, okay, I like these things on this this series, this service. I'll have that for a month and I'll blitz them. If there's anything else afterwards, tough. I ain't going to get to it. I'll get to. I'll, I might get to it later. And you're just going to have to be ruthless because there's way. There's, I'd, I'd prefer having this. I'd prefer having too much to choose from rather than nothing. Um, but I think you, we could have now. We could have like a writer's strike for two years, and you still wouldn't catch up with everything. Still wouldn't catch up. No, it's true. <laughs> um, well, that's the uh, that is the questions. Thank you very much for everybody that has sent in questions. As always, if you ask it, we will answer it, and we really do appreciate it. So, thank you very much to our loyal listeners for their questions. As always. Super, thank you very much. Uh, Hot Take Corner. It has been reported that younger viewers are four times more likely to watch TV with subtitles than older people. Um, Netflix has stated that 80% of its members regularly use subtitles. Um, I was looking at some statistics earlier on, and it's ridiculous. Like people 24 and under, something like 6 million people watch it. So, seven. 7.5 7.5 million people watch it with subtitles with only 6 million of those without any sort of hearing impairment. So people are just watching it now with subtitles with no good reason to. Can you explain this to me? What's going on, Matt? Well, you've only got to go on TikTok to see that nearly every video is given with subtitles because only a, only a potential sex offender has their phone on loud these days <laughs> nobody should have their phone on loud it should always be on silent and mm-hmm. pretty much everybody should own a smartwatch anyway that vibrates if your phone goes off but um i just think people are like more conscious of like watching things and not disturbing others like naughty kids on the back of the bus i think people are like so used to watching things silently now that like i don't think it's as big a deal if as long as you can read what's going on um or you know there's so many like i personally don't watch things in subtitles but it's never put me off watching like foreign film or whatever like i started the first 15 minutes of uh, something i'm going to mention in um in what we've watched and it's in a foreign language and it was english dubbed and i was like oh god this is horrible so then i just put the <laughs> subtitles on because i really have no issue with it um so i think we're just moving transitionally like the youth of today they're so used to like tiktok having like captions and stuff like that. I don't think it's that unusual anymore. Stu? I never thought about it that way, you know. Like, because of people watching things on their phone. When I, obviously, I've said before, I mean, it, it, it chills me to the bone, the thoughts of watching something properly, some proper series or film on anything other than a proper TV with surround sound headphones or wherever. Um, so to be watching it on a phone is disgusting. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I first said it, I saw this last year um, when a friend of the show, Amy, was. Um, he went to watch Elvis with us. 
and she watches things with subtitles on. And like, you're not deaf though. What? Why? And like, she had Hamilton on with subtitles. I thought, well, this. I, lit- I do that just because I want to rap along. Yeah, because you want to sing along to the song. Story. Yeah, <laughs> but it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it's. But then I, I saw another thing article about this that's. They said because they're so engrossed in their phones, if they if they've got subtitles on the telly, then they can just look up, glance, read, the, read that scene, and then look at the phone again and not miss anything out. And you think, well, like, it's quite clever in a way if you are multitasking in that sense, but it just seems completely insane to me. <laughs> Why, like, uh, if you, if you don't understand, obviously, like Matt said, I can't watch dub stuff. I never have been able to. It it drives it drives me insane when there's lip syncing problems on normal things, <laughs> and I have to go in and alter it and get the the balance right and the milliseconds, whatever. So to have a completely different language coming out of someone's mouth that's clearly not there, nah, can't be doing with that. So it's subtitles all the way. That's different. But when you can literally understand what they're saying, and you're yeah. ho- and you're at home, and <laughs> and there's no reason for it to be on, I. It's old man shit in the clothes. I don't care. It's insane. It, it does seem crazy to me. But like Matt said, the, some of the reports that I was reading, it was a case of people watching it on their phones. And if you're on public transport, for example, there might be noise going on around you. So you're you're watching your phone. If you can't hear it because you've got some weirdo shouting, I suppose that helps. But much like you, like I'm not going to sit there and watch Breaking Bad on my phone. I, you know, I want to watch that at home where I can sit down and enjoy the whole experience. Mm. So, yeah, it just all seems a little bit mad to me, especially like 80% according to Netflix, which is just in such a high percentage. But I guess that that's the world as it is now. Uh, we'll move on to the non-film question next, which is you this week, please, Matt. Going sporty, sporty spice for this. Um, quite simply, what is the hardest thing to do or achieve? The uh, one four seven in snooker. It is one four seven, not one five seven. Is it? it's one four seven. Um, a nine darter in darts or a hole in one in golf. Andy, go ahead. Um, I think it's the hole in one because when you're training to be a professional. Like you train to do a nine data, that's the easiest route out. That's the perfect way to play a game. When you're training to be a snooker player, I assume you would train to try and clear the balls up and get as many points as you can in as few shots as possible. So again, you're aiming to do that. But with golf, you're not aiming to get a hole in one. When you're playing like a five par or something, at no point are you thinking, well, I'm going to try and hole in one this. You want to get as close to the pin as possible. So I think that hole in one just it's more luck than it is skill. Whereas I think with the other two, it's as much skill as it is luck. Mm, okay, Stu. Yeah, I I think you could probably you could probably fluke a hole in one more than you can a nine data or a one four seven. I think you, I don't think you you've got any chance in hell of fluking them. Um. I think, from personal experience, it's still hard, but you can have a good run at darts. You might not, you might not achieve it and take it like a, a lot. But I think 
even someone who's average might get a nine dart finish once in their life. I don't think anyone who's average is ever going to get one four seven. Ever. Uh, there's too many. There's too many moving parts. There's too many angles. There's very less chance of fluking that at all. Um, yeah. So it's snooker for me. Yeah, I know one of my close close friends who loves darts but is not amazing at darts. He's got a decent handicap. He's got a hole in one. <laughs> it it happens to mm. some people. I think with darts. You've only got to do this. Is sounds incredibly blase of me here because I've got a dartboard and I'm really shit and I practice loads. <laughs> um, but you've only got to do three things you've got to hit the treble 20 tw- like six times, and you've got to hit two other numbers. That's all you have to do. Like you can practice those things and you will get a nine darter. Whereas with, with snooker and a 147. You've got to do so many things correctly to be able to pull it off. There's so many more things that can go wrong and can and require skill. I'd say that the nine dart finish requires more skill, but I think it's harder to pull off a 147. Yeah. And I think children can get a hole in one if they're lucky enough. It's interesting because the way I interpreted the question was a case of it's what you're aiming to do Mm. people don't aim to get a hole in one they just hope that it happens and i think if you spent ten thousand hours practicing on all of those things you could get to a point where you could probably do a nine dart at a 147 you're still massively reliant on luck when it comes to a hole in one Mm. but i do think that's a fair point because that luck can quite easily swing your way one week Hmm. Yeah, it's th- this is one of these. There isn't a right answer. It's just how good you are at debating your point. It really is. Like it's hmm. just. I think ask anybody, like everybody, depending on uh, their upbringing or what their parents like or whatever, have different views on this. But there we go. That's why we try and debate these questions. Hmm. That and plus, like golf is the most frustrating game in the world. Like every time you think you've got it you'll then just slice the cunt into the fucking bushes. <laughs> like, it's just so annoying. But that's a really good question. You are right. I, I, there isn't really a right answer to it, is there? No. Excellent. Uh, next up, what have you been watching lately? Matt? So I, um, I've i watched all of it, admittedly, but I've been the last, like, 10 minutes, so pretty much I've finished it. Um, the Figo documentary on Netflix. Um, it's really interesting. I of course know about Figo and, and um, loving the Wolves as I do. It's it's my sworn right to watch a documentary about one of Portugal's greatest exports. Um, <laughs> but the story is just absolutely mad. Like, I really enjoy anything about um, the corruption in, um, in, in, in Italian football. And this links in with that slightly with what happened with Palmer and Juve. And it's just a great he said, he said, she said story about a transfer that changed the world. And it's really well done as well. It's, it's really excellent. Um, so I would recommend anybody that's into football to watch that um, documentary. I'm nearly finally at the end of Sandman. Um, but I've had to basically watch it twice because I got to like episode nine or 10 
And then Sam was like, oh, I started watching Sandman, so I've just watched it again. <laughs> um, so I'm very much close to the end of that. Haven't listened to the audiobooks and really enjoyed them, though the second audiobook was a bit of a slog. Um, it's handled some things really well, this series. I really enjoyed um, how um, kind of... At first, I really didn't like the whole Rose Walker Jed story, but it was way mm. quicker and more concise than it was in the book. Um, and really enjoyed, um, really enjoyed the the series as a whole. It's been it's been pretty excellent. Awesome, Stu. What have you been watching? Denton Abbey. Um, <laughs> Let me say that with such conviction. <laughs> I've um, well, by the time this goes out, I've finished season five, so I've only got one one more to go, and then the two films. And you know what? It's so good. It's I can't. I can't. I mean, if you'd have said this to me two months ago, I would have laughed in your face. And it was just one of them things where it's so it's so British and it owns it so much. I mean, I couldn't have sold it on myself. It was just, I think, well, fancy watching some kind of costume period thing. Let's just give it a go because it was on Netflix at the time. Um it's gone now. I think it, it's just on BritBox, I think, um, here. But I gave it a chance, and it was scratching that kind of that Sunday night heartbeat vibe. <laughs> and I, I just got obsessed with it, and I'm going to see it through to the end now. <laughs> and it, Can I say it's the best thing ever? No, it's not. But there's something very – it's almost like, like – it's almost like wearing a hoodie. When you, like wearing your favorite hoodie just in TV form, it's 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 comfort food for the eyes. It's it's not offensive, it's not bad, it's just a nice. And the fact that they've got like time time period specific incidents happening as well, which kind of roots it. And you think, oh, they've done that really well. Um, but yeah, I can't, I can't get enough, and I will be devastated when it's over because I'm gonna have to find something else to do to fix that point there. Um, the other the one crown. was, yeah, it, well, it is going to be the crown, especially now. R.I.P. Your Majesty. Um, the other one was well, the complete opposite of that is Welcome to Rexham, Rexham, but which is again better, <laughs> I, better. I, than, mis- I misheard that completely. I, I could have <laughs> swore you said Welcome Erection, which is <laughs> something um, Stu's done many times, I'm sure. Yeah, as we were talking about uh, underwear in the group chat the other day. Yeah, why no one wants that flap anymore? Get rid. Um, yeah, welcome to Wrexham. Really, really fun, and I'm sure we've mentioned it before. But it's just how that they didn't know each other, they'd never met in person before. It still mm. still blows my mind, and the, the fact that they're so in, they're so invested in it, not just financially, just the hours and the time that they put into it, and you can see that they've they've got the bug. And I like how they kind of. They take the piss out of it and the, the football club are in on it as well. And they fully embrace the whole silliness of a National League side being bought by millionaires from Hollywood. And it's just a really, really fun, silly half-hour documentary every week. So it's from one extreme to the other. I watched the first two episodes. I really enjoyed them. And I, I did laugh when they that guy got sent off and then sacked 24 hours later. <laughs> that, that was fucking hilarious. Uh, but yeah, it was all right to be fair. Um, I in the cinema, I watched Nope. Really enjoyed it. 
Jordan Peele, spoke about him a million times on this podcast, love him. Um, and I also went to see Bullet Train. I should not really like this film because it's silly and nonsense, but that's precisely why I loved it. It was absolutely crazy, batshit nonsense, and it was great fun. It's probably about half an hour longer than it needs to be, but there's enough fun to pull you through, so fuck it, we'll just go with it. Um, there's a, probably a few too many cameos, if I'm being brutally honest, but never mind. Um, and on TV, Rick and Morty started. I thought the first episode of season six was probably better than anything they've done in the last two seasons combined. Um, that's pretty much it, really, other than the couple of bits we've already mentioned. Uh, we'll move on to our individual questions next. And first up is Stu, please. Ooh, first. What a privilege. Um, we kind of lead into it from the Teletubbies news earlier. What TV show would you like to be rebooted that hasn't already? Matthew. Of all of the choices, I don't know why this came first, but I'm sticking to my guns. You'd never get this in a million years, but I want to see a reboot of Life on Mars. Remember the. Okay, um, that'd be awesome. Life on Mars and Ashes to Ashes. Um, because I don't think at the time I appreciated how good that show was in terms of it touching on heartstrings in one minute, being silly nonsense and pointing out how staffed Northerners are in another. And it just being like an excellent show that suffered from a lack of budget and and had that Doctor Who curse about it by just looking a bit shit. Whereas I think if people threw money at it now and did a bit more with it and made it maybe a bit more rough around the edges in, in light of line of duty in light of line of duty then i think it really could be excellent it's weird eh? because they are going to bring there there is a new series of it never yeah. really yeah yeah what's it going to be called diamond dogs or something or like they're going to call it like <laughs> diamond lights <laughs> diamond lights <laughs> i don't know if, if if they use diamond lights and then have hoddle and waddle singing the theme tune that would be perfect wouldn't it <laughs> Now that it's, I'm sure, I'm, I'm sure I haven't dreamt this. Um, this is kind of Ruddle's haze of yours, Joe. Mm-hmm. News broke in 2020 that the team that were de- developing a follow-up titled Lazarus, which would tie up the story that began in Life on Mars and continued Ashes to Ashes. Hmm. Interesting. Oh, wow. Script is you think written. That, you think they would have used a more famous Barry song? Yeah, so they've got a pilot episode, and John Simmon, Glenister of expressed interest in coming back so there you go happy days mm. my no, dream fulfilled yeah. dream fulfilled in front of your very eyes although it'll still have the Doctor Who budget <laughs> well yeah well. <laughs> yeah very true potatoes potatoes <clears throat> and if he now says oh. Doctor Who <laughs> <laughs> no no I, I did think he's Doctor Who due a, a refresh and it is and it's getting one so like bringing back Russell T Davis, he did make sense. Um, but no, my answer. See, I was thinking about it. I thought, wouldn't it be kind of cool if we had something like the Golden Girls, something for a, like a complete different generation that you just don't see on TV anymore? But then I thought, I'm probably thinking that because of my recent rewatch. So then I thought, well, I do like my American '80s sitcom. So Cheers is the one I want to see rebooted. Just the idea of Dan going back into the bar after all these years and. He's bought the bar now and he's now running it. 
and you get some of the old same faces. But I just I sort of miss that that warm and comforting feel of those kind of comedies, which there doesn't seem to be any anymore, especially in the American stable. They, they seem to either be a little bit too silly or a little bit too cynical. Whereas I feel like, it, like you said about Downton Stew, it feels like a warm hoodie. That's what Cheers was. That's what Fraser is, which obviously that's coming back. But yeah, I'd love to see a, a reboot of uh, Cheers, personally. Mm. I, I wasn't expecting that. I mean, mine... <laughs> I, I had like I had three, and they're, they're all from a very specific time period as well, and well, yeah, two, at least two. Well, they've all been made into films anyway. From one was again, it's all dependent on budget, and you look at how things look now, and would like a Lone Ranger slash Zorro series with a property a proper TV twenty twenty two budget, how good that would look. And it very much suffers from being of the time. If you could try and go back and look mm-hmm. at them now, and it's all, it's all borderline unwatchable. It's just it's just it's just awfully. <laughs> the TV from the past has not aged very well whatsoever. Um, whereas a man from Uncle, we, yeah, we we had the film, but we haven't really got that kind of espionage TV show anymore. Like we had it with Spooks, maybe. But we've never really had one of that scale, like the Mission Impossible film scale on TV. Obviously, because of the money, so it's even like the the Jack Ryan series on um, on Prime's not mm-hmm. that kind. That's the closest, really. But give it to Prime, give 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 that kind of Prime money to an IP like that. It might work, and it's something that we haven't got at the mini, and we haven't had for quite a while. Mm. It's a good choice, actually. I never even would have considered that. Uh, next question is yours, please, Matt. So I want to know, quite simply, which is the cliffhanger that, in your opinion, had the biggest impact both in uh, Britain and abroad in the States? Stu. See, I, I had... I had this slightly differently. I had a British TV version and an American TV version. Um, but I suppose, I suppose one, they both kind of had impact both sides because they're both the same. And the, the first one that came to mind was Sherlock, off, falling off the top of the uh, the building. Because obviously they'd, they'd gone so far away from the source material anyway in the time period and the setting that what the hell is going on here? And then, obviously, because of how it was filmed at the time, there was it was it years later that it came, when it yeah, came it back. Was. Yeah, it was a good two or three years, wasn't it? Yeah, and I didn't get to it until I think it was it was waiting about six months before the new series um, came out, so I didn't have that that long wait. But even then, I remember thinking, "This is ridiculous! How can you leave a leave a series like this?" And thankfully, it came back, and everything was resolved all nicely. Um, my other one was uh, Negan and the the bat. Who's he going to kill in uh, Walking Dead? Just because I hadn't, I don't even know if it's the same as in the book because um, I, I only read bits of it um, at uni. But yeah, I remember talking to people at the time, and that it was one of the very rare water cooler moments, like. 
who's it going to be? Who's it going to be? And then it was sad, very sad <laughs> for what happened. Um, but yeah, they, they, they were mine. And I, I guess they, they both have influence over there and here because Sherlock, amazingly, is quite massive in America, which I didn't realise. Mm. I, <clears throat> I think... I'd gone with ones that was impactful on me rather than sort of like the wider public. Um, for the British one, I went with the thick of it. I think it was season three, I think it was. Um, and the season ends with them going into the general election, which we were going into at the same point. So you had this rousing speech from Malcolm Tucker basically saying to kill the Tories, um, which is sort of what was kind of hoping to happen in the real world at the same time um and you obviously we didn't know what was going to happen so when the show came back and they completely switched it so there was no a coalition in charge of it it was very much that it in the real world influenced the show so there was this sort of parallel that ran alongside it and i thought that was really well done so i thought that was for the british one i thought that's probably the best one that, that's been done in a british show personally for the one the american Again, second mention on this podcast is Breaking Bad season three. Um, I've got there's the two episodes. You've got Half Measures and Full Measures. The end of Half Measures, when Jesse is just about to go at those gangbangers after he's fallen off the the wagon, pulls his gun out, and then all of a sudden this car just comes screeching out of nowhere, wipes out these two gangsters, and it's Walt. Like it's incredible, and they somehow managed to top that in the season finale when Jesse goes to Gail's house and he's about to shoot him and all you see is the gun goes off, but you don't see what happens. You don't know where it's gone. And depending on how that played out could have meant that Walter White and Jesse Pinkman were about to die. We just didn't know what had happened. Just cut to black and we had to wait 12 months to get to it. And I thought it was some of the best TV that's ever been made. It's absolutely fantastic, which was then followed up by one of the best episodes of, any TV show ever, which was the uh, box cutter episode of Breaking Bad, where um, Gus, where he, you just don't know what he's going to do. He puts on a hazmat, hazmat suit, t- picks up the box cutter, and then just slices someone's throat without saying a single word to anyone. It's one of the most intense pieces of TV ever. I thought the, the cliffhanger and the resolution were just phenomenal to that show. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Um so for mine, um, the American one would have been the end of series three of Lost. Um, I knew you was going to say that. I knew you was going <laughs> to say that one. <laughs> Basically, to put people into the into the picture, for all of series three of Lost, so turn off now if you're going to watch Lost, if you've not watched it, for spoilers for the next minute or two. Um, I'll use a safe word like Oklahoma. Um, basically, <laughs> for all of series three of Lost, we're seeing flashbacks of... Um, of like our heroes um, and 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 Kate and and everybody, uh, we're wondering what the hell's going on, what the hell's going on. But we realise in the as the cliffhanger for series three that it's actually a flash forward, and they are off the island and they've never left the island as far as we're concerned at this point. And it ends with the line. I'm sure it ends with the line. We have to go back, and then that's it. And I blew my fucking mind when I saw it. I was like, what? I couldn't believe it. And that was up there with um, when we realised that that John Locke died. 
um, and that his body was taken over by the black smoke or whatever it was. Um, but it was so impactful because I would say that in the world of streaming, we've had appointment viewing robbed of us and lost and Game of Thrones are the last bastion of appointment viewing. And it was that impactful because of that, because I watched Breaking Bad through a streaming platform and it never felt the same as waiting to watch Lost on, on television as, as it did and waiting to watch Game of Thrones. Um, and so for the English version, I wanted to go with Line of Duty because of how much of a cultural phenomena it was at the time mm. and like it felt massive. But I, I think with it disappointing, it or at least for me disappointed, it never felt as great an occasion. And actually, for the British public at the time, the biggest thing that ever could have happened was who shot Phil Mitchell. <laughs> like, it was fucking massive. It was huge. Like, it was huge. I mean, I'm amazed No, none of you went with who shot JR in Dallas, to be fair, because... I, I was tempted to go for um, who shot Mr. Burns. Well, yeah, exactly. I thought that as well. Um, <laughs> but, like, who shot Phil Mitchell? I remember being, like, a massive thing like that we talked about in school. And stuff like that. And it just being like this huge media event. And I'd never heard of a TV show filming multiple endings to avoid spoilers and stuff like that. I just thought it was the most wild thing going. And this was when, like, it was the golden age of EastEnders as well. Back when, like, Cat Slater was fit. Like, that's how long ago we're talking now. You know it's a, you know it's a while ago. So, um, yeah, those are the two things I'd say that, that were the most impactful on either side of the pond. I mean, talking about Lost, though. I mean, even the end of season one, where you you going down in the hatch, and then the oh. light the light comes on. Yeah. Well, no, the light comes on at the end of season one, and then you go down at the start of season two, don't you? Um, just the light coming on, and then it finishes, and then the words come up, and you think, "What, man?" Like honestly, Lost as a show, not Penny's boat. Everything was just. It was just that writer's strike really just fucked it up, man. And like, it's one of the biggest, if we ever do a question, well, it's a spoiler alert now. If we ever do a question now, um, which is what is the biggest missed opportunity in TV or film, Lost will be up there for me because like, if only they could have had like a break or something or just like, it really very much felt like we just need to wrap this show up now as quick as we can. Let's, let's just get mm. it canned. I've got... It's it's next on my list of things to go back and watch because it's been. I know my brother went and did it a couple of years ago, and he said watching it second time around, it's even better than the first. And I've only watched well, I watched the first season, the first two seasons twice because, like you, Matt, like you said earlier, Matt, I watched one, I watched it on my own, and then I watched it with someone else to catch him up. Well, like when it was on four. Um, Oh, we used to we used to watch it on Channel Four because it was appointment viewing. Even though most of us had already seen it anyway, there's a few people there who hadn't. So we'd watch it on on Channel Four and then go out on the night, and but they wouldn't go out until Lost had been on. So, yeah, I, I, I'm quite looking forward to seeing it again because it's been a long time now uh, and long enough for me to forget some of the things. Obviously, oh, massively, not, not the standout things. And not like the 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 um, that stupid couple who only had that one episode, oh, um, yeah. but yeah, I mean, it, I even loved the game, and then the game was shit. <laughs> well, this is another thing about Lost that I that I it 
create it, it was the metaverse before the metaverse was a shit concept like the met the, the the game was always meant to be like an a, like a side piece an expansion of a story but you didn't have that at the time i don't think like i think that was one of the first to do it and it pioneered trying to be on like different digital mediums and stuff like that and it just very much felt like a trendsetter for everything else that we enjoy now but with that added appointment viewing element to it and I think TV changed a lot when Lost came out. Well, there was a there was a book as well. There was a book that Desmond, I think, no, it might be it might, Desmond Ruppin. I can't remember, but someone was reading this book on the beach, and you could buy the book. And in that book, it's talking about Dharma and certain other things, and things are actually referenced in that world. Mm. And you're thinking, well, oh, this is this is in this book that was written. Months, years before they that they ended up on the island, they, it was all there, and I love that thing. I can't remember what it was called now, but it was it was genuinely really, really good. It was a, a fictional fictional author in a in a TV show and the book of. Mm. Yeah, it was it was way ahead of its time. Yeah, I'm gonna scrap everything and I'm starting Lost again. <laughs> <laughs> How many seasons did it? Last was it six? Six, yeah. But uh, series six was like thirteen episodes or twelve or something like mm. that. Uh, I mm. think the last couple might have been. To be fair, like again, well, the first couple, the first maybe three series was like twenty four episodes, wasn't it? Twenty four like hour long episodes, yeah. I think. It's, it's a commitment. Because mm, I I watched I was just looking on Google while you were talking, so I was trying to remember where I got to on it, and it was the end of season four when they got on that little dinghy, went round the other side of the island, if I remember correctly. And there's a big statue, or you see the foot of a big statue, something like that. I can't remember much of it. But I know I got to the end of the fourth season, and the images I'm looking at are vaguely familiar. Like, there's one bit where, like, a nuke goes off, and instead of it going to fade into black, it all faded to white, and that just felt like the coolest thing ever (laughs) that ever happened. (laughs) Anyway, I digress. Mm, Yeah. It is something I always planned on finishing, but... I always planned on starting The Sopranos, and here we are still, so who knows. Uh, oh, well, to my... You've not watched The Sopranos? No. I, oh. I know I need to, because I know I will love it. Nafangul. It's the same as The Wire as well. I haven't got range to The Wire, but I That's... know that it's going to be phenomenal. The frankly overrated The Wire. Don't be silly. <laughs> yeah, so th- th- those are two that I want to get to at some point, but then new stuff comes out, so it's difficult, isn't it? Yeah. Right, so moving on to my question. It's heavy spoilers for a character death in Stranger Things Season 4. So if you haven't completed Season 4 yet, I suggest that you turn off the podcast and come back next week. Um, So before the second part of Stranger Things Season 4 was released, the Duffer Brothers said that they were going to kill off a major character. Eddie Munson quickly established himself as a fan favourite throughout this season. But... Is he a major character in season four that needs to die? Should it have been one of the kids or Steve, Robin, whoever else? Was Eddie the right one to to fall on his sword in this season? And if not, who would have been better served bearing out at this point? Stu? I mean, it, it feels like it should have been like Steve or Jonathan, just because they're annoying anyway. And... <clears throat> The recurring, the major enough recurring characters that it, you, it would have still not had an impact. But 
I think I think if they had any idea what would happen with Eddie afterwards and the reception that he got, which I mean, you, you look at when he comes in and you think, oh, this guy's a bit of an arsehole. <laughs> and you're not gonna you're not gonna root for him, but then it just happened, and it? it's happened in the overnight. And I know I watched it a few a few weeks after it came out, so it already unraveled everywhere. Eddie Munson, Eddie Munson. But I generally don't think they knew what they had with him, mm-hmm. and I think if they did, then someone else would have gone. Um, it seemed a bit of a cop out saying a major character after one season, really. Um, but yeah. I, I would have preferred it to be Steve because I just don't like him very much. <laughs> <laughs> How can you kill off Papa Steve? He's the best. Matt? It's tough, this one, because they needed they needed Eddie to die for him to be the hero. That was his fate. That was like, he, and he's not dead anyway, so it doesn't make a difference. <laughs> just put that out there now. Conspiracy alert. Um, I don't think anybody else can die and keeps the series as quality as it was because, well, that well that's partly a lie. You can't kill Eleven, obviously, for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, Lucas and Max have their on-off thing that has its place, and then there's the um, there's the threat of what's happening with hers. So you can't kill her off because now you want to see you want to see that to its completion. Um, I'd argue that you could you could have offed Mike, but then you don't have the Think about Will being gay and him loving Mike. I think mm-hmm. Mike is the most disposable of all of them until you realise that in order to crush the viewer, you they should have killed off Dustin. Yeah. Because apart from the bromance that he has with Steve, which is great, you could have... Something could have happened with another character that forced Steve to defend Nancy uh, and, and, and kill off Dustin. It could have created conflict for the next series. And Dustin doesn't have a strong enough story in this series to justify him staying alive, essentially. And that's as ridiculous as that sounds. Um, but he's beloved that much that um, they created a new character. And I think we should commend them for how well over the space of one series, they've made a character's death who we knew nothing about. And in the first episode was an absolute bellend matter so much. Like it should be applauded that they, that they did that. Mm. I wonder if the main character that they killed off, maybe he's talking about Max's mind. Maybe that is who is dead. Very possibly. I mean, that they've dropped so many hints and stuff that everything that we know about it isn't necessarily what we know. So who who knows? Like anything could happen by the like two years. I think we're going to have to wait for the next season. Annoyingly, like absolutely anything could happen. But it does feel like if it was Eddie, it does feel like it was a bit of a cop out. But at the same time, it did have that impact because it did feel like Steve's story had moved on from being you know, the, the babysitter to the boys to now almost becoming an adult. The boys were now looking up more to Eddie, so their dynamic was starting to change. It was just really interesting. Um, I personally, I think I probably would have gone for Steve because I think it would have been an interesting thing to have 
Dustin have a new male role model in Eddie, so he can take his place. You've got the dynamic between Nancy and Robin that they're now becoming friends, but they're also friends with Steve, so that would then strain their relationship. Um, I think Steve's a linchpin that you can remove and it will affect the most amount without destroying it, I think. So I think I would have gone for for Steve personally. Mm. Right, okay. So next week we're going to be watching the Easy Watching Cage Classic from 1994. It Could Happen to You. Uh, It's a film where a cop doesn't have enough money to leave a tip, so he agrees to share his lottery winnings if he wins anything on that night's lotto. Uh, It's available, I believe, on Netflix, but make sure you check out JustWatch.com to see where it's streaming near you. Um, Please make sure you keep us on whatever podcast that you're listening to. Make sure you're subscribed on there. If you could leave a review, we would love you forever. Please make sure you've got us on the socials at cagefightingpod and emails to cagefightingpod at gmail.com. And for this week, Matt, would you like to say goodbye? Ciao, Bella. Look after yourselves, everybody. Check in on your pals. Stu, would you like to say goodbye? God save the king. It's goodbye from me and remember, be excellent to each other. <laughs>